0: Back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I am your host Owen. Joined here today with uh, my standard co-host Marvin. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, bud. How's it going?
0: Going great, and I'm really excited to announce that we actually have two guests today. First time we've ever had two new faces on the show. Um, so everyone, you know, at home, please welcome. Uh, we have uh, William and Rob from the Stories and Sorceries podcast. Uh,
2: Hello. How is it going?
0: All right. Super Welcome uh, to be here. <laughs> I'm really excited as well, um, and so um, just for to make it easier for uh, the listeners to identify either of you, uh, William, please uh, tell us what do you do on the show.
3: I am the DM. I'm the one that makes everybody roll dice when they want to do cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm also the bane of Bryn Rolo's existence because I remind him that his actions have consequences,
0: <laughs> as all good DMs should. <laughs> Indeed. Very cool.
2: I'm Rob. Uh, I am playing Alfie in the current campaign, and I've also just DM'd one of the one-shots, so I will be stepping in to give our uh, trusty DM, Will, a break and allow him to play every once in a while.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. And uh, I have not checked that out. I think that just dropped, I think, this afternoon, correct?
2: Uh, Yes, it actually just dropped this morning.
0: Yeah, so... Nice. Very nice, very nice. Um, so yeah, very excited to have you both on the show today. Um, I was hoping to, you know, kind of get in a little bit earlier than what I did. I was running a little bit behind, but, uh, you know, barely than ever, they always say, right?
2: Exactly.
3: Okay. Gave us isn't plenty of time to sort out know? our mic issues. <laughs>
0: that's good, that's good. So, um, so, very cool. So, you guys are still relatively new, isn't that right?
3: Yes. Extraordinarily, even.
1: Uh, like, think... newer than us.
2: Uh, yeah, we started about six weeks ago. Ooh, that is new. we yeah, baby-faced. Yeah, we are still tiny babies in the podcasting world. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, um, but, welcome to the game. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: <laughs> Listen, we play to win.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're Don't all lie.
3: enemies. No, no, no. No, please. It's a very welcoming community. I'm, I'm glad to be part of it.
0: Yeah, I definitely will. Will say that I think like of the various like spaces. I guess I put my fingers in in uh in Twitter that the TTRPG community, largely speaking, isn't too toxic.
2: Yeah, N- not at all. Um, I run the social media for Stories and Sorceries as well, and I was absolutely terrified that we were just going to get ripped apart whenever we started posting stuff and putting everything out there. But everybody has just been Amazingly supportive and just so friendly.
0: Yeah, um, and that was definitely something that took me back, too when I first started, because um, um, both Marvin and I do uh, do utilize the the show's Twitter account, but I'm the one that's primarily posting throughout the day. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: When I remember, I try to denote the posts, but I don't often remember. So, um, typically speaking, if it's denoted with an M, you know that Marvin did it because he's way more consistent than I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I mean... It's easy to be consistent when you're doing it significantly less, so you know.
0: Yeah, fair point. Fair enough. Point.
1: <laughs>
0: fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, if only six weeks though, you guys have, have really jumped up. But yeah, I just checked here, two hundred and twenty followers on Twitter now. So yeah.
3: that was an unexpected development. I have no idea what happened, but just <laughs> early yesterday, we were at less than fifty, and we hit the fifty mark, and we tweeted, and we were like, "Ah, oh, guys, we're so excited to." hit that 50 next goal is 100 and then within 24 hours the follower count had quadrupled and i'm just slack jawed watching it happen and rob is over there on the twitter account trying to like keep the hype going and i just have no idea what to
2: say <laughs> I, I have no idea what even happened just to be honest with you uh, i tweeted it out a few i think about 17 retweets happened within a couple hours and then the rest of the night my phone's just bring bring (laughs) just all night i was like oh my goodness!" i just i have no clue what happened but i'm so happy it just did
1: it was wild because i remember i saw the uh the 69 followers post
2: nice like yes like
1: early this morning and i was like i'm gonna like this post and then all of a sudden, just, <laughs> wait a minute, how'd they get to 100? All It's been like an hour.
2: Yeah, uh, I have no idea. It was just insane. We were just so excited.
0: Yeah, that's great, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, hopefully that translates to, you know, ears listening to the show, uh, certainly. Hopefully oh, more oh, yes. ears
3: listening means more people playing. I mean, that's, exactly. uh, that, in my opinion, is the end goal of any... D and D live stream or podcast is to introduce new players and spread the uh the wonders of a TTRPG to as many people as can get involved. Because like sometimes it is super good to just like find a few friends and turn your brain off and play make believe for a while.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is too is that it's a hobby that really appeals to a lot more people than you might initially think.
3: Uh, a lot of age groups too. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah, well, especially some of the older folk who just may not have even had an opportunity to try it out because, you know, obviously the satanic panic way back in the day when it was first initially rolling out, um, a lot of folks are probably turned off to it, you know, just for fear of the social implications that it might
3: have. Yeah, the, the stigma that it might carry with it. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I read about some of that stuff sometimes, and some of it makes me laugh, and then other headlines just upset me to a, a harsh degree.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know that, you
3: You're really going to try to pin a triple murder on this dude who said he rolled a natural 20 to hit? Like, really? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, at best, that's, like, one attack. Come on. Yeah, come on. So...
1: (laughs) At the very most, one person
0: is dying.
3: He's not even level 11 in fighting. He
0: can't get three... (laughs) Yeah, so, um, I mean, I I think we we definitely are fortunate that we are kind of living, I think, through the golden age of Dungeons & Dragons in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just, it's really honestly just been incredible to, like, watch the last, like, you know, 10 years or so unfold (laughs) as, like, more and more people I know um, are either getting into the hobby for the first time or, you know, just, like, not, like, looking at you strange when you say, like, oh, I'm really into Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. it's a lot less like, what what is that? And a lot more like, oh, yeah,
2: that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, even noticed just in the short amount of time that I've been playing, just, just under two and a half years, that just in that short amount of time, I've been able to see some of that change as far as when I talk to people. I've noticed a lot more like, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard of that and I've always wanted to try, but I've just never known anybody that really wanted to play
1: it's great it's so yeah and
2: especially on that note
3: with the prosperity of social media you could be playing with people from three different countries and it's still a functioning party there's (laughs) all kinds of uh there's all kinds of third-party systems for dice rolling battle map planning uh character creation uh tracking wild
0: Mm -hmm. the way
3: it's exploded like it has
0: yeah, it's honestly incredible, and like I, I have, as much as I, I loathe to say it, I do think that the pandemic has made it a lot more readily acceptable to run online games um, than mm-hmm. I think it was previously. Because
3: I like, oh, definitely you
0: know, yeah, like even though like Roll Twenty's been around for years and years and years, I, I want to say it's been around for like probably almost like 12, 15, something like that. Um, yeah, you know, maybe like ten, but it, it's been around for a real long time. And while the quality of the software has never been great, um, it is—it definitely gets the job done. Like I had to transition my whole personal campaign to that um, when the pandemic mm-hmm. hit, and as a consequence of that, I was able to invite Marvin in, um, who, you know, at true. the time, lived three thousand miles away.
2: <laughs> and that's the beauty of the internet.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: if it actually—if it wasn't for the pandemic, there's a very good chance we wouldn't even have started our show,
3: and that would have been a cry and shame yes that <laughs> that sounded a lot ruder than it was supposed to be uh <laughs> genu- genuinely it would have been a shame
0: yeah i mean i, I like to think that eventually we would have gone together to do something but i think it definitely us talking about D D more frequently definitely brought that brought that out um but that kind of mm-hmm. brings me to one of my first you know questions so what was kind of the impetus behind your your show i mean most people don't you know start playing D and then suddenly think wow i want to share this with as many people as i can so uh You know, tell us the origin story.
2: Uh, Rob, you want to take your first swing at it? Sure, why not? Kind of to begin with this, uh, Will is technically, I see him as my first DM. Uh, I started playing D&D just under two and a half years ago, like I said, and it was a friend of mine who i just kind of happened to talk to about it for years i had been scared to play because i was like that's a lot of numbers that's a lot of dice that's a lot of rules that's just a whole lot to remember and finally he talked me into it i played like a game with him and then that same week my friend austin who's a mutual friend with will invited me out to play a game and i was like well sure i'll come out there and see you guys so i came out and just absolutely fell in love with the group and I ended up not even playing with that original group I'd played with first because they kind of split up and all had other stuff going on and I just stuck with them. We've been playing about every weekend since unless something gets in the way of that. But that leading up to answering your question, we had been playing for, I don't know, about a year and a half or so and I had been listening to a few different podcasts and, you know, me and Will had kind of talked about, oh, it'd be really neat if maybe we, you know, could record some sessions and maybe one day we'll get good enough and, you know, put them out there. We just kind of talked about it with the group and a year later, that's all we were doing was talking about it. And then one day I really don't even know why it hit my brain, but I was like, we just have to do this. And so I messaged Will and was like, look, we've got to get on the ball and we just need to start getting stuff and start preparing. And so we saved up as much money as I, we could, learned as much as we could about what we needed and just slowly started gathering equipment, getting our recordings down. We recorded a few sessions here and there without posting them just to work on editing, work on our flow, things like that. And then once we thought we were ready, we just went after it.
0: Very cool. So I guess I'm gathering, uh, Rob, that it was kind of your initial idea to start this whole thing.
2: Uh, it was just a thing me and Will kind of talked about at first, just kind of floating ideas back and forth. I don't, I really don't even remember who kind of had the initial idea. But then I just, I guess, got antsy about it, and I was just, I, it struck me, and I really got driven to do something. And so I just started really kind of trying to convince everybody to get on get on the ball with getting things going and getting things set up.
1: Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool.
3: Uh, I will say I can, I can attest to this. Rob has been a very driving factor and an endless hype train when it comes to actually getting this done. And the amount of work that he's put in to make it happen is unbelievable in my opinion.
2: And like I tell them every time they start with this, it, we have nothing without all of us being there having a good time. Oh yeah, Hell
1: yeah.
3: undoubtable. But man, you're living a whole ass life and <laughs> editing the sessions and playing in the session <laughs> and uploading them. Like I mean, give yourself some
2: credit.
0: Like, I was gonna say, eh. one of those doesn't sound like the other. Like one of those sounds like a like a joy. Um,
2: I enjoy all of it, every part of it. I enjoy the editing. I enjoy you know interacting with everybody on twitter i definitely enjoy playing and so i have no no issues with doing any of it
0: <laughs> very that's nice. fantastic very nice rob are you my chance a unicorn
2: a unicorn <laughs> no um it'd be real cool if i was being a mythical creature seems like a pretty nice life
0: not gonna lie I mean, honestly, it'd be really impressive that you can navigate a computer within, without any thumbs or fingers, but...
2: Man, those have to be some, like, pretty pointy hooves. You gotta <laughs>
3: well, get in Rob. them keys. Oh, God. You might not be a
2: unicorn, What's that but clip? you've made all our
3: lives magical. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: thank Aww. you. I'm, I'm suddenly remembering that clip. I want to say it's from, like, Adventure Show, where the deer stands up and takes off its hooves and their hands
3: like, <laughs> with, with the fingers. Oh, yeah. my
1: God.
0: <laughs> I didn't need to remember that.
1: <laughs>
3: One of the best clips from that show. What are you talking about?
1: I don't. I, I don't think the word "best" means the same thing to us, my guy.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it's some nightmare fuel for sure.
3: Oh yeah. Get some fangies already ready for that massage. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> right, Flashback. And, and that's the show, everybody. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap, it Wrap it up. We're done. This interview's over. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's really cool. So, um, so I guess it's not really clear then. So, is this a continuation of your home game, or did you guys start a new campaign over?
3: Ooh, I think I'll let will,
0: will take that one.
3: Yeah, uh, it is. This is a new campaign that we started at level eleven, because the previous campaign, our home campaign, we had several other people. Mm -hmm. but uh, situations evolved and standings fell out and it was just impossible to keep it going. Mm. So we jumped back and forth between uh, other ongoing campaigns, right? Uh, Rob DMs a Theros campaign for the group. uh, And our player Trenton, who does Edward, Edward Truffle, Mm -hmm. he DMs a campaign between uh just me and Rob uh where we play a brother and sister but those are those are like off week things right where nobody has anything going on so we do these and the more Rob pushed for this campaign or for streaming to get going we mm-hmm. talked about it and it didn't make any sense to just pick up in the middle of a campaign because nobody would really know what was going on right so i just Drafted up a, a fresh one, and I wanted to make them feel unique in the world because the area that they're in, they, they very much are. People of their uh, capabilities are uh, a dime or a diamond in the rough, I should say. Okay. Uh, so, the best way I could think to do that was to make them a substantial level and then throwing it all out there like that. It, it does kind of just sound like we started in the middle of a campaign, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, because that's definitely the impression that you get, right? That you've kind of picked up in the middle of someone else's story. Um, like, it, I definitely understood that it was the start of a campaign, just the way that it was um, uh, the way that it was kind of structured. Um, but definitely the way that the storytelling starts off, it definitely feels like we've kind of like picked up in the middle of like someone else's story, and we're kind of Zooming in to see what's going on with those characters.
3: Right. Uh, Well, hopefully, that can be a good thing in the long run if I play my cards right. (laughs) Otherwise, it was a horrible design decision, and I have nobody to blame but myself. (laughs) I believe in you.
1: (laughs) I mean, it could definitely be worse.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, it can always be worse.
0: I mean, you could have not started.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's fair.
0: (laughs) Like, I think that's.
3: Could have just talked about it for the rest of our lives and lived with all uh, the fallen regrets.
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, or even worse, you could have started six weeks later.
3: You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah?
0: Because that's the thing, right? It's like whenever it comes to, like any project, like just starting is way more important than like setting arbitrary goals. Um, yeah. Because like it's so easy. It's like oh well, I'll do it when I have a computer that can edit properly. I'll do it when I have a good microphone. I'll do it when I can get a consistent group. Oh, like you just have to kind of start some of this stuff. And so I really, you know, think it's any project that gets started always needs a Rob in them uh, to kind of drive that. Right. Yeah. Um, that a good half of was, those were some of my reasonings at the beginning. I was like, oh, I don't know if my computer
2: is good enough to hold all this stuff and edit. and uh, I just really want our audio to just be perfect. And I just don't want to have like anything wrong with it. And finally I just had to push that all aside and just say, look, we're starting. This is the day that we're doing the first episode. Let's go. I mean, it definitely helped that Bryn came in one day
3: and was like, Y'all ain't going to do this shit. Shut up. Stop talking about it. You're faking. <laughs> Be
2: about it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, who, who could forget the, you know, the schoolyard jab? Bet you won't.
3: <laughs> right? Turned As out... Bryn came in with left field at a, you're not going to do it. No, you're not. Stop talking. And <laughs> oh, so Rob's like, oh, it's happening. Oh, yeah.
0: That's awesome um so you mentioned you guys are starting at level 11 that's really high uh it is high, yes um what are some of the challenges that you're kind of experiencing with that with starting at such
3: uh level? hmm as a dm it's hard to give them a challenge that's appropriate to them that doesn't break the uh the mold of the setting that they're put in uh In one of the more recent episodes, they left uh, the mainland. They went out to sea, and that gave me a lot more freedom because once you leave the borders of the country that they're uh, currently staying in, magic gets more prevalent and wild. So I got to throw a ghost ship at them, uh, and they seemed to enjoy that.
2: (laughs) I was very Uh, convinced there was (laughs) pirates. But I was still happy that it was ghost. So I was definitely not disappointed.
0: Well, I mean, clearly next time it has to be ghost pirates, right?
2: Exactly. That's the logical next step. (laughs) We do have to go back after we get to the island. So just throwing that out there, Will.
3: Yes, you will go back. And hopefully this uh, little escapade will give you a sense of wonderlust. And you'll venture further beyond the borders. And I can throw more crazy shit at you
2: oh yeah i definitely plan to do that
3: <laughs> but uh whilst you stay within travest my plan is to torture you and bryn with political issues and
2: make you think which i know you're both fantastic at hey look my wisdom is high enough to compensate for my non-intelligence okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so it's like maybe, maybe you barely finished middle school that's cool
2: yeah exactly I had to drop out to help with the family farm you know how it goes
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Isn't that usually a euphemism for something? I don't think people actually do that, do they? I mean, I'm sure... I'm from the
2: South, so we kind of do that if it requires it to to be done, you know?
0: Yeah, but like middle school, it seems really early.
2: All you got to do is know how to read a little, you know? Order your grain. Good to go.
0: (laughs) I can appreciate that kind of on-the-job training.
2: Exactly.
3: (laughs) Experience prompts knowledge. Exactly.
0: It's true. Or or, you know, uh, gruesome dismemberment, uh, depending on the uh, on the genre. Uh,
3: Oh yeah. So,
0: so um, so I guess. What do you
3: mean? You're docking my pay?
0: (laughs) I rolled a hit. Sounds like the worst version of of a tabletop. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It sounds safe.
2: Construction site RPG.
0: <laughs> Jeez, I mean, we're like a half a step away from like you know American Truck Simulator, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, how did I get here?
3: Wolfie, you invited me. Yeah, and uh, me. I feel like we. But yeah, to to wrap it up, I would say that my <laughs> biggest challenge is uh, compelling encounters without breaking immersion. Mm -hmm. but uh I think it's definitely doable uh, especially when I have such a such an agreeable (laughs) playgroup
0: very cool Nice. yeah I know that like designing some of those higher level um, fights can be particularly challenging um, because you're right like you know when you're a particularly high level you do have some level of expectation as a player to be able to like you know cakewalk some number of like you know lower level fights (laughs) Mm
4: mhm
0: Hmm. Um. So I mean that and I also find that there's just like not a lot of monsters At the higher end of the CR scale That you can like reliably tap without like drastically Altering to make them appropriate
3: Yeah 5e Definitely like uh, Put on the training wheels When it came to high CR monsters Uh, But that's the glory of D&D You can take those off whenever you want And just make absolute monstrosities <laughs> Yeah you with, can uh, which, uh, if you ask Rob, I'm quite a fan of fair but balanced homebrew, and oh. will occasionally do atrocious things to subvert expectations.
2: It's my favorite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Marvin knows. I'm, neither of us are any stranger to homebrewing stuff, um, I would say.
1: It's almost like I don't use the books for anything anymore.
2: Right? Yeah, we... Right? They're paperweights. Maybe. I don't think we have ever played any kind of module. I think every every campaign, every one shot we've ever done has all been some type of homebrew.
1: That's what I like to hear. That,
0: I wish I could say that's my experience, although I will say I've never run a, uh, a campaign like that. Um, I've always run homebrew settings, so I definitely get the appeal.
3: There's a lot of freedoms that come with it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, I know uh Rob you play Alfie. Um I guess we should probably for the for the you know listeners at home, we should probably, you know, briefly touch on the rest of the cast.
2: Uh yeah. Uh so I play Alfie. I am a half elf ranger. I'm using the Drake Warden subclass. Um uh, the other half elf is my twin brother Rolo. He's playing an Assassin Rogue. Uh, we both came from the Feywild, and we're kind of figuring out how to get back to our family, but you'll quickly find out we're not that concerned with it. We're very uh, live-in-the-moment kind of people. Then we have our trusty bard, Edward Truffle. His uh, art form of choice is juggling, which he is, is very good at. Uh, I think so.
1: Oh,
3: God.
2: <laughs> very cool. Very cool.
1: Okay, okay. Edward Truffle sounds like a good time.
2: Oh, he's he's fantastic.
0: I'm really happy that we're not making a Goonies joke right now.
2: <laughs> oh, he his shuffling skills are immaculate. We've already confirmed this; it is canon. <laughs> Very cool. I so
0: love this. <laughs> that's a bit of a, a unconventional party, right? So you have what a ranger, a rogue, and a bard.
2: Yes. We uh we also did have a wizard multiclass with an artificer, but mm-hmm. unfortunately his personal and work scheduling kind of got very conflicting and he had to take a step back for a while. We're hoping one day once he gets all of that situated we can bring him back in, but he's he's on hiatus until then.
0: Mm, I gotcha. That's rough. And
3: Or uh, Ferdinand. Yeah.
0: I see. And did you guys end up writing him out of the story, or did he just kind of unceremoniously vanish?
3: I have hit him with the NPC sticker, uh, and (laughs) taken him away from the party. Okay. Uh, There's a very real chance, uh, depending on the choices that the party makes uh, in the near future, that I may be able to use him and the circumstances surrounding him as a uh, tool to drive the plot, which would be quite uh, convenient, to say the least. Intriguing.
2: I'll keep my ears open.
0: I actually have a really good story, um, related to that. Cause I had a player that exited the story and I ended up reappropriating their, um, their character arc and like backstory into like a really important detail for the players that, sh- that showed up like a year and a half or something after they left. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Oh so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was recent. Right. So yeah, that definitely uh, reminds me of a story that, um, that I can share about my person, our home campaign. Um, Uh, So we had a character um, named Moira and uh, the player ended up leaving the campaign. There was some other stuff going on, um, you know, in her personal life. So she opted out, um, which is fine. Um, So she was playing a warlock um, and it was a pact of the blade warlock. And so her basic campaign was like a reappropriation of the Highlander story. Nice. um, Where basically... um, this patron had bestowed these gifts to a number of different individuals throughout the multiverse. And each time one of them slayed another one, they would gain that person's packed weapon and be able to call them as well. That is quickening. So, um, and she found out about this right about when she was about to leave. Like that was when her, the plot was like starting to kick off for her. So it was really kind of tragic. I was like, man, I invest all this time into it. I was really excited. So, um, Like, the players were um, in this town or whatever. They were, like, camping out in this... um, They were camping out in, like, the the ruins of one of the players' like apartment, basically, because the town had, like, fallen. So they were, like... It was the safest place they could shack up. So somebody showed up in the middle of the night and teleported her to the middle of town so they could have, like, a one-on-one fight. So the first, like, six rounds or seven rounds or something is, like, the rest of the party is booking it while she is fighting for her life in the middle of town. Oh, no! Um... (laughs) So, um, you know, it was a really interesting fight. Um, you know, ultimately she, they did end up killing, uh, the other patron, the other, uh, warlock rather. And so she gained that pack weapon. And that was when I wrote her out of the story, um, you know, shortly after that happened. Um, because, you know, for her character, it would have made sense to say like, oh, well, you know, like that nearly got you guys killed. And like, I don't want to be responsible for like bringing danger to you guys. So I'm going to try and figure this out on my own. Hey, yeah, that's that's a really good way of doing it. So, um, you know, and so, like, it was a natural conclusion to that, like, to that arc. She had been with us for a couple of, uh, for like a year, I think, in the campaign or so. So, like, she was around for a little while for a lot of the, some of the major events. Um, so, fast forward past that for a little bit. Um, the big, bad, evil guy reveals himself. Um, he threatens the party that they have to show up on a particular date, otherwise something bad may happen. The party leaves plane, heads to uh what was it? It was uh Kamigawa Dominaria um Ravnica followed by Alara? And they All head- over the place. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Um I'll I'll explain the story probably at some point later, but like just to fast forward through because like I'm literally like skipping past like a year and a half of story. Um, mm-hmm. the players missed the, the deadline, basically. Um, in the setting that I run, the time does not run linearly between each of these worlds. So some of these worlds have a faster time stream than others. Really? And while they did pick up a chronometer on Dominaria as a means to tell the time, um, none of them checked it, strangely. Oh. So, so they missed their deadline by like a week or something. Um, so when they got back to Ravnica, one of their uh, Planeswalker buddies told them, like, hey, like, your world... It's gone. They're like, well, what do you mean it's gone? It's like, well, it's just not there anymore. Like, I was there, things were getting bad, and now I can't get, like, now it's gone. Um, And so after quickly, one of the players quickly planeswalked to try and determine if this was in fact true, and they couldn't find it either. So that's bad news. <laughs> Apparently yeah, the bad guy destroyed bad the news. world.
1: <laughs> bad news bears.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so um, current plot line, of course, is they're trying to... um. You know they're trying to stop the bad guy from doing it again. Um, you know, kind of redemption time here. Um, so at the time, they recently discovered that the bad guy is related to one of the player characters, but he had wiped that character's memory before the ba- before the story started. So they're like, "All right, well, we need somebody to like fix fix his memory. Clearly, like somebody has to be able to do it somewhere on Ravnica. Gee, I wonder who it could be." So um, through a series of coincidences, they track down where Jace uh, Be- uh, Bellerin lives. And this is set post-War of the Spark, so he's no longer at the Guild Pact, but he still lives there. He still lives in. Oh, okay. Um, so after like a week of camping out his apartment, he eventually shows back up, and it's kind of in a hurry. So to make a long story short, he basically says like, hey, I need you guys to win a tournament on Kylam, and if you do that and prevent this guy that I know from winning, I'll do what you ask. I'll help out you know, as much as I can. <laughs> so... We start the motherfucking tournament arc, if you're, if you're familiar with the anime trope there. And that was like um, four or five sessions. So um, during the tournament arc, a tiefling shows up, who's like really friendly with the party. Like he's just he's a chill dude, you know, walking around like, oh, hey, you know, kind of explaining how things go. He's one of the competitors in the event. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was, was super friendly. I think they like went to dinner at Olive Garden or something. Um, <laughs> so um, you know, enjoyed Welcome the to Applebee's. <laughs> never Applebee's um, <laughs> but um, don't get me a start. Right. I have very strong opinions on restaurants um, then you would
3: have known he was evil right
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. and so um, as they're scoping out the matches because they want to see you know what the competition's going to look like they check the bracket they could fight this guy in the next round so as they're watching it during the fight he conjures the player character's weapon during the fight and everyone in the party except for Marvin who didn't know that character is familiar with what that means because clearly, the only way he could do that is if he had killed her already. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, like, the party had been working under the assumption already that, well, she's probably dead because the world was destroyed. That's bad. But mm-hmm. now to find out that she'd actually probably been dead for, like, weeks beforehand and they just had no idea, like, made it hurt that much worse.
1: <laughs> that is rough. Of retribution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, half the party wasn't okay with it. Um,. I remember, Marvin, you had a slightly different uh, perspective, right?
1: Uh, if I recall correctly, I was like, why does
0: this matter? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because, um, you know, of no. I what... didn't know her. I don't care.
1: <laughs> no, I legit just didn't know what that meant because nobody explained it to me. <laughs> Our player I was characters. like, I was like, what? why does his weapon matter? What's happening? <laughs>
0: yeah it's like it's like the audience knows the player characters the other players are tensing up but like you know you Martin's... got this wow still eating popcorn just watching the fight we go mm-hmm. staring at
3: yeah <laughs> dude that's a cool sword
1: yeah yeah like, but anyways they eventually explained it to me and i was like oh now i'm angry <laughs> no not even i was no. like i was like doesn't that mean your world still exists if the god that made this thing was tied to your world? But was it? Yeah, that's what they said.
2: Oh, no, oh. well, that's a good point, then.
0: Yeah, and they were like, What? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was the whole point. Your board. world has been magically annexed, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. you got embargoed. <laughs> Kind of. But like, that was the whole point of bringing this character back is because I needed a way to organically let the players know that the, that their initial assumption that the world was destroyed was not, was well, not baseless was not necessarily what I was going for. Um, and so because Marvin's character is um, he's an, is it guild mage? So he's like super familiar with magic just as a principle. Um, in addition to like his interactions, cause he ended up spending like six months on Kamigawa as a part of his backstory. Um, mm-hmm. So he's really familiar with like you know the difference between like patron magic and regular magic. He's interacted with both of these things. And mm-hmm. so his character was able to intuit that, well, clearly, if this patron who is associated with your with your friend has an origin from this plane, which they the players knew for a fact because that plane was where the, she gained the power. It stands to reason that if the source of that magic vanished, the patron, if the patron was destroyed with the plane, then clearly the magic would no longer work for this guy, but clearly he's still using it. So that means clearly the world must be somewhere, and for whatever reason, we just can't get to it. Right. Okay. Mm hmm. Um,. And that was kind of like a, a big, you know, turning point in the hope spot because now the solution is, the, the problem is no longer, let's stop the bad, let's kill the bad guy for retribution. It's let's try and reverse whatever he did so we can fix it and then kill the bad guy for retribution.
1: Yeah. Right. Make S- him tell us how to fix it first.
0: <laughs> um, but it was just, it was one of those things that just came to me. And so like, I definitely get how sometimes you can reappropriate a storyline and like, just use it later on in ways that you might not even necessarily conceive when you initially started it. So um, that's a lot of words to say. I'm excited to see what ends up uh, becoming a Ferdinand story.
3: I'm I also very excited with what I might be able to do with Ferdinand's story because uh, I know that we didn't get a much uh, a lot of FaceTime with Cody, the uh, player for Ferdinand, before he had to ixnay for personal reasons, mm-hmm. but. It really seemed like uh, he was very martially interested, right? Uh, if uh, Rob didn't mention, his wizard, sub- his wizard subclass was Bladesinger, right? Mm. Uh, and he was a Battlesmith Artificer. So a lot of his stuff was going to be more centered around frontline combat than it was spell-slinging, which I thought was a, a very neat subversion, and I was excited to see the character go. Uh, not to play, not to go. Uh, and I was sad to see it go, but I believe that had he been able to stay, he would have really pushed for an in-depth kind of uh, uh, combat rating as far as NPCs go. Like, oh, uh, where does this guy stand? Could he take this guy? Uh, and can I take either of them? How did that go? Uh, but instead... Uh, the situation unfolding the way it did, he's delving for secrets at the moment and hopefully those secrets uh, come to bear sooner than later.
0: I okay. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like a really unique build. Uh, one that I would definitely be interested uh, to see. I remember when um, in episode two when he shows up, um, I was really interested to find out when he started doing the blade singing thing because I'm like, oh, that's, that's sweet. Uh, one of my One of my players does that. That's awesome. Um, So it's a really cool combo. I was
3: terrified of it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cody is is definitely known for making some very unique characters.
1: Okay. I like that.
2: Uh, So do we. Uh, They're (laughs) very fun
3: to see most of the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, whether or not it's a, a dwarf ranger bouncing off the walls of a cave to kill a dragon, or a uh, a cleric uh, warforged being literally untouchable because his AC is like fifty-seven or something, it, it uh, was
2: ridiculous.
3: <laughs> uh, he always comes up with uh, fun things to see.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I'm sorry, <laughs> kiddos. Uh, no worries. Well. So, um. Very cool. Yeah, I always am a big fan of like unique builds when it comes to player characters. Um, just because it's one of those things where, um, like, everybody knows the like the classic. Like everybody has played a seen a half orc barbarian, seen a hundred yeah. times. The um, tropes. But, yeah, you know the classic tropes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And like in some respect, that's really helpful because you know it makes it really easy for new viewers to kind of quickly identify like mm-hmm. what that character is about and. You know, and obviously, whenever you're playing d and D game, you want to have fun with the character. So, um, what are some things that you guys try to do to try and differentiate those characters? You know, for the listeners, so that way they you know just come across as you know distinct and help them kind of catch on quickly with what they're trying to do. Uh, well, for me
2: personally, uh, I did intend on trying to come up with something really unique and just really off the wall that people would just be like, "Why in the world did he make that?" And then after viewing, be like, "Oh." That's why he made that. Then Fizzbane's book came out and I saw the Drake Warden subclass and I realized I could have a pet <laughs> dragon and that was all she wrote. And I just <laughs> messaged Will and said, can I please, 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 please do this and send him the subclass and convinced him to let me do it. Nice. <laughs> Very nice.
3: Uh, I think- personally, for me, when it comes to making characters, I'm all for the wacky, and I'm all for the powerful, uh, especially if you can get those two things to collide. Uh, We had a guest in the one-shot this past week that's uh, just recently dropped, never played D&D before, uh, and he he was telling me what he wanted, because everybody was like, you help him make his character. He was telling me what he wanted, and the classes he had to use were Cleric and Warlock.
1: That's
2: great. Oh, it was amazing. I, I had no idea, because what I did with this one shot, I wanted to do something a little different. And I got kind of inspired by the podcast Roll and Tell mm-hmm. uh, with their whole random factor. So I rolled four random races and mix of two classes, and then just put those names in a hat and then I made them just have a roll-off, and whoever won, they got to draw out of the hat first. And and poor, poor newbie John David ended up with just the most baffling thing that could have been created.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that sounds really fun. I feel like we should uh, do that for one of ours.
3: That he did funny. really good as a player, in my opinion. He was super into it. Uh, and the character that he made, just the whole air of it, was uh, super interesting to see. But when it came to helping him allocate levels and stuff, he was talking to me, and he was like, I, I kind of want to be someone who can handle all ranges. And I was like, well, listen here, you're a warlock, so you've got Eldritch Blast. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's your, your medium problem. and stupid <laughs> ranges. Uh, <laughs> if, if you want to deal with your close range, you should go Hexblade and, like, minimize your levels in Cleric. Take Eldritch Smite and just hurt people. Really, really bad. Well that's what he did. And there's uh there's one section where we're fighting the the raid boss of the one shot, and he hits for like ten d six, uh four d eight plus nine damage. Oh, and ten, or five d ten as well, because it had a banishing smite on it. And of Bryn's just looking at him like, Why do you why do you get to roll all those dice? <laughs>
0: it's always a concern when they start to reach for like hey does anybody have any more d6s it's like right my boss did not have a good time let me just tell you guys
1: oh no
2: (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i remember we had uh chat a little bit about that rob i think over dms uh prior to you going through with it so uh how'd that turn out or i guess i guess if you don't want to spoil it for people who haven't listened to it yet well without
2: going through too many spoilers everything went relatively well uh I did notice quite a few things that I just totally spaced on. Uh, legendary actions, what are those? Didn't use a <laughs> single one the entire fight, and it it hurt. It, it cost me the cost me the win for sure.
0: <laughs> legendary actions, how do they work? Yeah, well I, I had just, an athe
3: of thirty. You weren't getting that W no matter what you tried. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your AC doesn't help with breath weapons, but that's oh. fair.
0: Honestly, I <laughs> ran into a
3: stay situation. out of the way of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge when you're building for for higher level characters. Um, you know, particularly if they're like power built in any capacity, it suddenly makes it very difficult to like design adequate challenges. So,
4: right. you know,
0: while I don't generally advocate for the DM to like specifically go out of their way to make things difficult, I do think it's good to kind of bear in mind where some of the holes. Um, So, like, you know, I know for, you know, characters with high AC, obviously targeting some of their stats for um, saving throws can be really effective.
3: Yeah, Um, or dexterity saves, because generally they'll have terrible
1: decks. Yes. Exactly. The,
2: The biggest challenge with this one shot was they... We, we rolled characters in the podcast, and then we just paused, and they made them really fast. So I had no idea what I was dealing with besides <laughs> just initial classes. And so they were just surprising me left and right, and I was, I was trying my best to give them enough challenge without being just like, we have no idea what you're even talking about, what's happening. And <laughs> I, I think they did really well. Yeah, that's All right. Awesome.
3: I think that you did a great job DMing, and I'm super interested to see what you come up with next time it comes around to your turn. I got Uh, some ideas floating around. I'm also super interested to see what kind of absolute off-the-wall shenanigans Bryn comes up with at the end of the month.
2: Oh, it will be carnage, I'm sure.
0: Very cool. So, for the one shots, are you guys just rotating through the rest of the cast basically to give Will here a break? Uh,
2: more or less. Just if somebody has an idea for a one shot they want to do, we'll just say, "All right, next next month, you got it." And, you know, stuff like that. So we try to divvy it up as much as possible. Um, we're not sure if Trent is wanting to DM, but the second he says he wants to, we're gonna we're gonna put him in the chair.
0: All right. <laughs> Yeah, I find for some people it's kind of only a matter of time. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: Trent's one-shots are fantastic because 90% of the time it's, okay, listen, it's time for the Tournament of the Gods. Come (laughs) back with your most busted shit and uh, we'll just see who lives. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sometimes just doing a skirmish is just, you know, it's just what the doctor ordered, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just good old-fashioned fun. Yeah, Uh, you know, it's funny like you mentioning that. It's like, you know, PvP isn't something that like 5e is necessarily geared towards. But you can definitely do some interesting things with it Um, Mm when you get some players in the right mindset. I think the issue comes when you start to like try to incorporate it into the game (laughs) like directly. Um, You know, like during a campaign, for instance. But like as far as just like running the combat encounters, like the player characters aren't designed to be balanced against one another. They're designed to overcome the NPCs. No, not at all.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I
3: thought it was great. Uh, episode three, you said you were on. I'm pretty sure you've met uh, the big guy at the bar. Uh Trenton Ferdinand, or no, nope, not Ferdinand, my bad. Edward had a bone to pick with him. Yeah, I recall. Man, the bard brought out them fists, and man was that not the right call. Oh, <laughs>
0: But like you know, mad props for not stepping down. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly why
2: Alfie just stood back and was like, "Hey, bud, let me know if you're gonna die, and I'll save you. But otherwise, I'm rooting for you.
1: <laughs> otherwise, have fun. Yeah.
2: I was
3: I was puckered the entire time, just waiting for him to be like, "All right, you know what? Screw this. I'm gonna drop a seventh level fireball on this nerd. <laughs> Get me out of here." <laughs> I don't care if I take half the town with me. Just You're going away now.
0: I mean, sometimes that's just, you know, sometimes... What it takes. To, <laughs> sometimes it'd be that way. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes if the internet taught the
3: me anything, it's that Fireball is always the appropriate answer.
0: <laughs> At least uh, 70% uh, of the time. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be honest, <laughs> I, we have a, a player in our campaign where... He, more often than not when he does cast fireball it goes poorly for everybody involved
2: The man after my own heart
4: <laughs>
0: i think He's some it's not of the, great
2: it's <laughs> <the, the>, like <laughs> me trying to do anything acrobatics related i always roll a 2
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, some notable uh, instances of fireball going awry would be burning down their own boat
3: oh like pirates are indeed flammable uh, the On pirates attack.
0: Yeah, no, the pirates attacked oh, them, and no. during the fight, he threw a fireball, and, like, it caught the boat that they were on. <laughs> so, oh. So they subsequently got captured, and then when they did eventually escape, um, things went really poorly, but they ended up having to, like, keep some of the pirates alive to, like, you know, drive the ship, because none of them know how to how to do that. And they have to head down. <laughs> do you know how to drive a boat? No, you might not want to kill all the people who do. Yeah, I believe I said that to them out of character, just to remind them that otherwise the campaign was going to end with a very slow death, <laughs> starving in the middle of the ocean. You see sharks beginning to circle.
1: <laughs> They're letting them eat you is becoming an increasingly good option.
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Listen, you, know. you can either die like a man fighting sharks, or you can starve to <laughs> death on the boat. It's your choice.
0: All right, but hear me out. What if we polymorph the shark into a cow and then start eating it then after we get it on board? You'd have to eat it alive,
2: right? Because once yes. it hit zero, it'd just be back into a shark. Well, no, you can that eat the shark, true. but now the shark is out of the water. That just it infinitely more uh, fantastic. Yes. How do you
0: butcher this cow and not kill it? Very carefully. Yeah, well, I mean, the first step, of course, is to, you know, watch American Psycho from front to back in, you know, 5 <laughs> point five speed. 0.5 <laughs> speed. Well, you gotta go carefully, I, right? Yeah, yeah, you gotta get to all those details.
3: Yeah, you gotta make sure you get the recipe right.
0: Yeah, you know, and then after that, you have to put on the correct, you know, soundtrack, Huey Lewis in the News, clearly. <laughs> um, That's objectively correct. Then from there, you know, you gotta get a raincoat on or something along those lines, and... You know, come to think of it, I don't think he was very good at butchery. I think he just mostly axed people. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't super careful, if I recall. No. (laughs) No, not at all.
3: Hannibal is where you need to go for
2: this. kind. Yes, that's the calculated guy right there.
0: Yeah, I just pulled up some YouTube videos on how to fly fish. It can't be that different. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm,
1: I don't like where this conversation is going. (laughs) (laughs) Ten down a dark (laughs) path.
0: (laughs) I mean, come on. we can't follow. Uh,
1: you're breaking my heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lord of Mercy, that's uh, that's definitely something. It's definitely something. So, um, so overall, you guys feel like the campaign's going uh, pretty well. Um, do you guys intend on it kind of lasting through to level twenty? Do you have like a, I guess, do you have like an overarching story in mind already, or are you kind of just winging it? I have
3: a very loose uh, idea of a story, but I believe uh, predominantly in player freedom uh, shaping the story. So if I have uh, an end goal, it's achievable by several means, and those means will be determined by the players. Uh, I may have to enact some... the world is changing, and you're not sure why get on it uh instances (laughs) but uh other than that i think that they'll do a fair enough job of progressing uh and i don't know about level 20 but i would say that this campaign will last a while or until they all die
2: my hope is to make it to level 20 i would love to see alfie's journey uh making it that far um I really hope Rolo makes it with him. He, <laughs> he he makes some real questionable decisions sometimes. But, you know, you live and learn. Hopefully he lives and learns. So we'll just have to see how that goes. And uh, try that? our best.
0: That's <laughs> the magic ball saying. signs point to no? Ooh, Yikes.
2: I have some bad news <laughs> for my brother.
3: <laughs> oh, what's that... What's that spell called? Augury? Yeah. <laughs> Every time Edward casts Augury, it's just the answer is woe. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Does it involve Rolo? The answer is whoa. Oh no. You get no wheel here. There may <laughs> be an undetermined.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oof.
3: Great though. I love uh, I love having a wild card as a player. Just oh, he's never the know best. what the hell's going on.
1: I mean, yeah, uh, the ones you can't predict are usually the ones that make the campaign the most interesting.
3: Yeah, that's, that holds true indefinitely uh,
0: across every system.
3: <laughs> you you might you might think that oh it's it's just a, a simple bank robbery. What could go wrong? Everything's on fire. I guess that's what could go wrong.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is this is no longer a bank robbery,
2: it is a siege. How uh, did think- we get here? Ask that guy. I think you're halfway spoiling episode four there, Will. Am I? <laughs> uh I believe that's Rolo didn't start the fire, isn't it? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about it. Oh no. <laughs> we'll have that word oh, the no. then. <laughs> Spoiler alert! He for sure started the fire.
0: <laughs> no, Rolo, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I know, um, Rob, you mentioned that you'd only started playing, but, uh, William, I get the sense that you've been playing for quite a bit longer. Um, when did you start playing D and D? How did you get into it?
3: I've been very interested in D and D since grade school. As I mentioned, uh, I had a few friends uh, and a DM who uh, played fake D and D. As in, let's just, like, bullshit and play make-believe during our lunch break. Uh, And that was all in good fun. But ever since then, I thought that it was really cool. Uh, And the idea that uh, you can just get a group of friends together and make this uh, creation uh, between yourselves and have an adventure uh, all while you're sitting face-to-face or over a Discord call, maybe. I always thought that was a very appealing idea. Uh, so I've always just looked at the books and read them, like, uh, brewed up creations in my head, uh, and found myself lost in thought about it uh, several, several times. But it wasn't until I was asked to DM that uh, we started playing D&D uh actually, like, sitting down and rolling the dice and understanding what was going, ha- going on, and not just being like, listen, guys, there's a the Rakshasa. Fight it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gotcha. So, would you say that you're more like a rules-as-written kind of guy, or do you kind of ad-lib as needed?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm a definite, I'm definitely a rule-of-cool guy. There, there are some instances where uh, Rules is written, kind of has to be taken. Rules is written because if you deviate from it, then you have no idea what's going on. But other than that, I'm a hundred percent uh for somebody being like, There's no rule for uh fist fighting a dragon. Uh, can I do it anyway? Yes, yes, you can.
1: Please do Thank go for again, it, by chief. the way.
3: <laughs>
2: You've confused me once more. Remember Goldfish Brain over here. What happened? Uh, that was me that you were referring to that wanted to fist fight the dragon, and you were like, go for it. Oh.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, I am always
3: willing to empower my players to make poor decisions. Uh, it gives me more freedoms. Yeah,
2: quick frame of reference. We did a one-shot that was initially going to be our pilot episode and we weren't able to post it because we did not finish it in a one shot time frame and uh <laughs> Cody was part of it and he has not been able to come back since but we we all schemed together against Will's knowledge and made a team of four barbarians and sounds wonderful oh they it was like. fantastic and uh i made a wild magic barbarian multi-classed with uh, Wild Magic Sorcerer, and I wanted to just go all-fist, and so he allowed me to have, uh, I think it was the Gloves of Soul Snatching I believe is the item, but mm-hmm. it's it's a ridiculous uh, set of gloves that lets you do, uh, I think it's like 2d8 or something, but then you get uh, 2d10 of force damage that you've regained half the health from, and so I just ran around this one shot just beating the tar out of dragon and dragon kind alike.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> How dare you challenge Drethdar, the acrid? Oh, please.
3: No. Trogdor that- the burninator comes in and just gets sucker punched. Yeah, it
2: was, it was bad. <laughs> Will sorry. didn't know what was happening. I didn't mean it.
3: No, I knew everything that was going on until Cody and Brin's character decided to get a dragon, uh, a half dragon in a dual grapple and just like try to rip it in half. That that's when I lost track of everything.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the easiest way to kill a dragon, right, is free you have one of one side of him into into half Nelson.
2: And yeah, right. the other guy,
0: the other guy gets him into the walls of Jericho, right.
2: <laughs> that, was, that was almost about how we had it. We, we had him in almost like a, like a hammock, sort of. And then I believe I had the legs, and then Cody's character had the arms, and we were just stretching him out. And then Bryn's character had uh, a morning star, and he was just like beating him in the back with
3: it. <laughs> D&D a great game. Everybody should play it. Yes.
0: <laughs> really should. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so um so one thing I was, you can't
3: sit down at the dinner table and talk about disemboweling fantasy creatures and you're not you're not living life i mean are you <laughs> even
0: family at that point no <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so i like i like that quick answer rob just no no you're not family
0: no uh, oh, yeah, obviously clearly Um, so one thing I did want to ask because when it comes to starting campaigns at a higher level it can always be really challenging to kind of figure out how to balance out starting gear so um, did you have like a methodology behind how you did that?
1: I had a
3: good idea of the gear that they would have been exposed to uh, and what they could have acquired but all I can really say to that point is it depends on the setting like if if, for example, this had been the home campaign that fell apart, unfortunately, that was very high fantasy. And if I had started them at level 11 there, oh boy, would they have had access to some insane stuff.
4: <laughs>
3: but here uh, in this setting, it's, it's much more basic, basic fantasy. There's magic, but it's scarce. So uh, you get a rare item. Have fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Very nice. Um, Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, it's always going to depend on the setting. I guess one concern I always have is, like, if you give them too much cool stuff at the beginning, then it gets a lot harder to seed cool rewards later on.
3: Right, right. Uh, That's why I limited them to uh, just uh, straight out of the book. If you can find it, uh, run it by me. I might let you have it. Uh, But I'm saving the homebrew stuff for something you get as a treat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As it should be. As you should. Yeah, I feel he did a really good job with giving us just enough starting equipment to where we we did get that sense that we were outliers at least in the country we're in now and that we got that sense that, you know, people look at us and they don't want anything to do with us cuz they they kind of know we stand above in most situations, but didn't go so far as to where we're like, yeah, we got everything we need, we're untouchable.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's I
3: definitely it. something I want to try to avoid y'all feeling like, although it <laughs> seems I've already failed with Bryn.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could be tough with rogues, just in general.
2: Yes. So.
0: Rogues are problems. I mean, what? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Not I me. Know. I certainly
1: didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like, when it comes. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to higher level characters, it's it's always a little bit challenging to kind of like keep them in check. Like that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy like those early levels because it gives you an opportunity to like throw some stuff at them that might be a little bit too big for their britches
3: Yeah. Um.
0: Something whereas, that they
3: might have to back away from.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it, it's important to like put the fear of God in them pretty early, right? Um. Cannonballs. <laughs> for, for Cannonballs no Cannon <laughs> will do that no matter what level they are.
2: Yes, yes they do, and yes, they did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, siege weapons, I guess, but like, if if that's where your your NPCs have to resort to in order to injure your your band of heroes, you know, that's you're getting into some dangerous territory, I guess. It shouldn't have uh, to ghost... take like, a dragon or something to to make them flinch.
2: Ghost Captain sure did it for Rolo. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: one of the big reasons I settled on level eleven, or Rather, the reason I wanted them to be level 11 and is because I've heard a metric thrown around very, very often that campaigns between friends rarely get past level 6. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, that that's heartbreaking. Because, like, your paladin gets his aura of protection and then and then the game's over, really. He doesn't even get to look at the Gorgon and say, I rolled a 33 on my charisma save. No, I'm not be turning to stone. Like, like the, the fighter never gets his third attack. People just get to look at him and be like, so what, you're a, you're a basic paladin with no smites? <laughs> Oof. Uh, That's rough. So yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted them to know... And I wanted them to experience characters uh, that they got to make special. Okay. Uh, if if somebody had come in with a fighter, I wanted him to know that that third attack, that that blistering uh, combat speed that he has, is something that he worked for and he earned. Uh, and I just think it would have been a real shame to like have them start at one. And then by the time they get to
0: 10, they're like, all right, guys, we killed the big, bad, evil guy. What now? <laughs> just look around. Well, clearly, it's whatever the next threat is, right? Um uh, right. one of the cool things about those kind of campaigns is, you know, you can always pick back up later on.
3: Yeah, you can uh, always make more. Uh,
4: mm-hmm.
0: Although I will acknowledge that I think that the fate of your normal game is kind of pretty similar for a lot of people, where just, like, a lot of games just end up falling apart, you know, not because anybody mm-hmm. wants to stop playing, but just, like, life gets in the way sometimes.
3: That's uh, exactly what happened with our first campaign. Yeah, and it's terrible to see.
0: Yep. Yeah, it definitely is. It's always a shame too, because sometimes it results in taking some like rather long, long sabbaticals from the the hobby. Hmm. Um. Although that's why we advocate largely and like get like be okay with DMing. Like even if you're if you even if you prefer to play the game as a player, I think everybody should be okay DMing because I tell you what you will never be short for players if you agree to DM them.
2: Right. (laughs)
1: 100%.
2: Yeah, I think it took a solid year after I started playing of Will just poking me in the side every once in a while. Hey, you want to DM one time so I can play? Finally, (laughs) finally I was like, you know what? I'll DM you a one shot. You just give me some time to prepare.
0: Oh, that's great. I imagine that's got to be a really tough transition when you have you know such a strong DM to kind of live up to um, in those respects. Oh, it was
2: terrifying. Absolutely. I was shaking when I walked into that room the first night for my very first one shot. I, I had anxiety for like two weeks leading up to it. It was terrible. But the good news is I'm always really nervous when I go to DM, but then when I sit down and say this is where we're going to begin, that all just kind of floats out the window and uh i get to focus on just making my players have a good time or allowing my players to have a good time i should say no 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 you make
0: us don't you dare (laughs) so uh, so i guess one of my questions for you rob is like if you if you know let's say you're talking to one of our players in the audience right and they're kind of thinking like maybe dm wasn't dming wasn't for them what are like words of encouragement that you would give to them or some things they could do to help prepare themselves for that
2: um best i can say is just don't listen to that little voice that's like you're just not going to be good enough what if you mess up what if you forget legendary actions <laughs> and you just you silence that in any way you can and all you need is one good idea, and you can just build upon that and you can just make whatever you want and as long as your players are having fun it doesn't matter what you forget doesn't matter what rule you don't use or use you know it, it all the name of the game is everybody have a good time
0: that's awesome, yeah I mean, hell yeah man great advice uh what about you will any any uh tips from the the bitter vet uh <laughs> the bitter
1: vet.
3: Uh, the humbled vet is uh, more along the line of that. <laughs> I would say that it's good to look at other people and it's good to learn, but it is not a good idea to hold yourself to someone else's standard. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to be real upfront with you right now. I think I am subpar at best. And every time I say that, Rob just comes in and he's like, you shut up. You're fantastic.
2: Oh, I, get, uh, on I and- get on him. I get on him.
3: Yeah, I get them. Speaking for myself, I'm blessed to have a very supportive play group uh, all around the table, whether I'm a player or a DM, and I try to repay that in kind. And my best bet or my best advice is that if you play with people who are not supportive, then those are probably people you don't want to play with. (laughs) Uh, And just don't look at me or rob and be like i could never be as good a dm as them and certainly don't look at someone who has a massive following like a roll 20 or or critical role even don't look at them and be like i I pale in comparison uh look at your book look at your dmg look at your monster manual find something you think is cool and be like i want to see how everybody handles this and then just shut everything else out and play your game it is at that point a game for y'all to play.
0: I think that's some great and solid advice. And the other thing too, right, is like when you're on the other side of it, you know, when you're like a, um, like someone who consumes that kind of content.
2: Mm-hmm. What is
0: easy to forget is that like those shows are ultimately still shows. They may be live play games, but even those DMs, even if they're trying to DM a game as they would normally they're always going to be mindful that they're being recorded. I'm sure you can attest yourself that you're at least aware of the camera during or the, the recording equipment during your game.
3: Yes. I Many times a session, I think about saying something, and then I'm, in my head, I very quickly and frantically look for another way to phrase some things. because <laughs> there's, there, there's a big difference between casual play and recorded play. And I mean, there doesn't have to be if you just don't care, but if you care and you want uh, as many people to be exposed to uh, what you're putting out there and try to get as many people involved as you can, you should care.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: 100 percent,
0: 100 percent. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, And I guess like one thing to keep in mind is that because those people are ultimately putting on a performance like yourself um, during those games that you don't need to hold yourself to that standard because you're measuring apples and oranges. You're trying to do, do two right. different things, right?
3: Yes, that's uh, exactly what I was trying to get at. You're you're playing a game to play a game. Uh, other people might be playing a game to make a show or for some other goal in mind. And their goals are not yours. So you do you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, your goal as DM is to make sure that everyone's having a good time, like you said. So yes. just focus on that. Absolutely. Very nice. Um, I mean, you, you dropped the, uh, the the CR word, so um, I'm I guess I, <laughs> I, I, I did
3: a taboo, but uh, I needed an example, so that was what I went for.
0: No, it was good because uh, I was actually curious what were some of the some of your influences. Um, you know, if you, I assumed most people who play the you know who play D anD D are familiar with Critical Role in some capacity, but like, were you a fan of theirs? Um, you know, had you consumed a lot of their content going in, or um, or anybody I else. Have,
3: I have consumed a lot of Critical Role, uh, but the terrible thing about being a DM and watching Critical Role is that you know a lot of other people watch Critical Role. And one week, you might have an idea, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then you get some downtime, and you turn on Critical Role, and one of them's like, I do this, and you're like, God, that's exactly what... No, I can't use that because everybody's going to... Th- And you you just have to like either accept that everybody's going to compare you to it or move on. Uh, But I would not... (laughs) Always accept it. Just bite that bullet, Chief. I would not say that I... Or at least I don't try to derive a lot of influence from a critical role. (laughs) Matt Mercer has definitely been a beacon uh, when it comes to knowing your shit. (laughs) Uh, Because what that man does with the... Dungeons Master's Guide is insane somebody will will have an obscure rule and he'll just pick it up and be at that page Uh, and that's definitely something I'd strive to uh, be able to imitate that level of knowledge but uh, as far as the brainchild of most of my work uh, I read a bunch of fantasy when I was younger and for a very long time uh, my go-to fantasy setting was a book series called Del Toro Quest. And I don't know if anybody uh, in attendance is familiar with Del Toro Quest or if anybody uh, listening has ever heard of that. But it was a collection of fairly large. I think there were 13 books in total across two different series. But uh, it was a really enthralling fantasy setting when I was younger, and even to this day, if I think fantasy, one of the first thing that comes to my mind is Del Toro Quest. So I'd say that that is a bigger influence than any other uh, D&D community I've consumed. But yes, I consume an atrocious amount of D&D content, and I could not begin to list it all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, um, definitely, I I know that that's, I'm sure that 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 story was a really big influence. I feel like a lot of people, like, the first, like, big fantasy franchise they, like, latch onto as a kid ends up being really Mm -hmm. formative in that way.
2: Tolkien. Anything Tolkien would be mine.
0: (laughs) Classic. Definitely.
3: It's a classic for a reason. (laughs) Yep.
0: Yeah, clearly. I mean... Oh, I mean that—that's a, that's a series. <laughs> a series yes, out. you know you're going deep when you have to develop a whole meta lore on how you found the manuscript in order to to, to like, yeah, it's a lot. It, it it's an insane a lot. So, um, what about you, Marvin? Uh, what are some of your influences?
1: Uh, well, we've discussed my influences into the ground on this show, but literally every piece of media I've ever consumed Um, a lot of anime anime is real good for me
2: I second that (laughs) third followed
1: Uh, I watch a lot of movies Um, if you've seen it in a movie I've probably done it in a campaign (laughs) or at least attempted to the players aren't always uh, cooperative (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how it but always you know, goes? Uh, no. I, I think I'm very cooperative.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you actually are probably one of the more cooperative players I have. I certainly
2: try to be. <laughs> I'm not. Definitely not.
3: <laughs> Whatever Rob tells you about my paladin in Theros, it's untrue.
1: <laughs> I I don't think that's a factual statement
2: it's not he is definitely my yes man in our theros campaign because he knows how nervous i was to start it and he was like you know what buddy i'm gonna make a paladin he's gonna have the charisma he's gonna be the face you tell me what's going on you got it he's also he's also like pretty
3: average when it comes to intelligence so like somebody gives him a goal that's his life until it's done yeah Sounds a lot like Elspeth, if I'm being honest. Oh, dude, oh, poor Elspeth. <laughs> I've noticed. I've noticed as y'all talk that y'all derive a lot from magic, and being very new to magic myself, uh, I've I've dived into their lore, and I'm terrified to try to incorporate it into D D because there's there's so much. Oh, I can't wait for I, to I do agonized,
0: it though. I agonized over whether or not to pull the trigger on it for my home game, and I don't even like record my stuff, right? Like it's just it's a home game. There's no pressure here. But I'm like, oh, like do I really want to incorporate this? And then like the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica came out. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, you know, I have
1: to. You didn't have to <laughs> anymore.
0: I yep. didn't. I didn't. But um, <laughs> but like yeah, I mean I'm I'm a big Magic fan. I have been playing the game since 2000. Um, oh wow. So, nice. You know, I I have playing played... since 2002. <laughs> yeah.
3: So All right, well, that brings me to a question for y'all. <laughs> All
0: right, us do let right. let's
3: flip this We're turning this around. <laughs> yeah, who's your favorite Planeswalker?
0: <laughs> Ooh, tough choice. Uh There's no, only one not.
1: answer for me. Oh, I love that.
0: Uh do you want to go first, Marvin?
1: Oh, and do you want to tell them my answer?
0: Uh I'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm actually a little nervous that I'm going to get it wrong But I'm going to guess Nikki B
1: That's the only Correct answer <laughs> I
2: like, was actually going to tell Will To do the same thing and uh, guess mine
1: <laughs> Oh Jesus
2: Oh you know this Do I? I've only talked about it for like the last two months Oh right <laughs> God damn it uh, Teferi Yes sir Oh, anything to fairy, i just love time I hate that
3: man so much
2: time magic is just i know one, one of my guilty love. pleasures
0: i know one thing you won't love about teferi the one What's book, that the one like early book he starred in uh prophecy is by far the most dreadfully boring read of any of the magic books i swear i couldn't get through it i tried and i was a teenager with nothing better to do and i could not force myself to finish that book it was so boring
2: <laughs> oof that's not good <laughs>
0: Everything else is great, though.
2: <laughs> I'll let it slide for him.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely been really, really cool to see that, that character come back after being gone for so long. Um, definitely. So, uh, Marvin, what do you think my favorite Planeswalker is? Ooh. This is actually going to be really hard, because I don't think we talk about this a whole lot.
1: No, we do not. Give me a second. Let me think.
3: Well, he thinks... Uh-huh. I have to. I have to wonder out loud, what could be appealing to a an overreactive drama queen like Nicole Bolus? <laughs> like, why why would that ever be anybody's favorite planeswalker?
0: Are you kidding me? Uh, I mean, I will say that that Nicole Bolus is like, as far as like just like overall swagger, definitely high up there.
1: Ooh, ooh, I got it. I got it. All, All right, right? right let's I'm ninety percent sure this is it.
0: All right, let's hear it. Is it Jessica ooh, that's a really good guess that's a really good guess, but you're you're unfortunately you, you have the the wrong old red Plains Gaia? <laughs> yeah, Jaya Ballard all right
2: oh good. I like that.
0: I love all her right. she's a classic
2: not only, really she did, not only did
0: I love her when she was like when she was very young in the ice age books, but like I've enjoyed her her return as uh like kind of a mentor figure for Chandra.
3: Yeah, I am loath to admit that I know very little about her other than she mentored Chandra.
0: <laughs> so um, I guess crash course on her history. Um, so she spent time traveling with Joda during the Ice Age. Joda, Archmage mm-hmm. Eternal from the Dominaria that you may uh, be familiar with. Um, yes. He is an immortal wizard. He is credited uh, with kind of Propagating the five colors of magic on Dominaria, as he came into being, at... he's supposedly like one of the great 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 grandchildren of Urza and or Mishra, depending on who, whether or not you believe that Urza's wife slept with his brother or not. Because um, it's le- it's left ambiguous, we don't actually know, but it is implied that his, his his kid may not actually be his kid, which is fine. He was a dirtbag, anyways. Um
3: anyway, All my homies hate Urza.
0: I mean, look—you know, you you do a genocide once, like, you know, that's one thing. You do a eugenics once, that's one thing. He just keeps doing it.
3: I've I've heard people say that Urza is the good guy in his story because literally everyone else is just
0: worse. That's just factually <laughs> incorrect. Those people have no ability to read words. <laughs> I read those books. He's painted as nothing but a bad person throughout the entire thing. He married his wife and didn't even consummate the marriage on the night. He was more interested in reading a book that he got in the dowry.
3: Hey, listen, wow. priority.
0: <laughs> Hashtag relationship goals, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, so, um, but Crash Course for Jaya, so she was a taskmate She used red magic, and basically in that's in the Ice Age setting, so um, if you're familiar with the Brothers War, which if you're not, you will be in the next couple of years, um, as we have, I think, <laughs> two sets coming up for it. Um, so, at the end of the Brothers War, Urza detonated the Silex, and that um, broke off Dominaria from the greater multiverse, along with a bunch of other worlds. Um, and that created the Shard of Five Worlds. During that time, because it was broken off from the multiverse, Dominaria was plunged into an ice age that lasted for quite a long time. During that time, up um, came, came about um, was introduced to the um, uh, there. There was a Mage's College uh, at Latinam, if I remember correctly. Um, he his main nemesis was Limdul, this necromancer character, um, who was defeated. Um, there was a you know, so he joins the Mage's College at some point. The archmaster goes missing because Marsil take you know takes it over and imprisons the um, uh, who was If it? I think it was, if I remember right. Oh gosh, it's been so long. He like imprisoned Ith, uh, in, in like a cage or whatever, and from there, uh, you know, he like borrowed their power and like took over took over the college. That, at some point Limdul comes back. You do. Yeah, like at some point Limdul comes back, um, possesses Jessica, if I remember correctly, and then she sparks as a planeswalker at the end of that book and like turns into like a giant fire cloud. As you do. <laughs> As you do, yeah. Um, Typical Sunday
3: for a Red Plains Walker.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's actually some really cool. Um, I mean, first of all, if you if you're not familiar with her, she has some of the best flavor texts in the game, like Bar None. Um, like it's definitely up there. I mean, like Kamal also has some really good flavor text, but like that, but Jessica I think takes the cake. Um, not Jessica, uh, Jaya. Rather, I can't talk today.
2: <laughs> I have Don't to worry.
0: pull out my spell deck and check that out.
3: I can't talk any day of the week, so you're good.
0: That's fair. Um, I guess while we're on the magic topic, do you guys have any favorite formats?
3: Me and my friends play Commander. because standard
0: scares me. Yes. The most correct. (laughs) Alright, right. right. Um, So I'm guessing that's both of you then? Uh, Yes. Favorite Commander, go.
3: Oh god. Oh, gee, this takes so many.
2: At the moment... At the moment, I'm loving my Ovalar werewolf deck. Okay. But I do run a, uh, a blue-white deck that uses Veyran Voice of Duality, and I like upsetting Will with that. Oh, dude, fuck off. <laughs>
3: That's
2: all there is to that.
3: I'd like to take a turn in, like... At least an hour, please.
2: No, well, you're not allowed. After I, just after one after I turn take a four, then you can have your one. And then I'll take two or three more, depending on what I draw. <laughs> and just call it a day.
3: Uh, my favorite commander, uh, the one I've spent the most time working on, is Lysa, the Forgotten Archangel. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. She's got some of the uh, most metal lore from the angels in, in Estrade, in my opinion. Uh, and I feel left out since I didn't answer the question since I posed it. My favorite planeswalker is Soren, by the way. Nice. Post-Avacyn, <laughs> Post-Avacyn pre-Olivia trying to marry his dad.
0: <laughs> that was a weird story beat.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: was it though?
3: From a tactical standpoint, no. From a Family standpoint, yes.
0: What are you doing, step bro? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, we all knew that was coming, except, right? Except it's her stepson. <laughs> God. Marvin, your <laughs> audio is dead so like Who knows? Marvin, your audio is kind of dying. Is everything okay? Um, yes, I'm in transit. In transit? Uh. You're driving? you driving during the show.
3: We're wanted some McDonald's. Leave him alone.
0: Right. I, don't, I, I don't think. <laughs> Fair enough. So we'll wrap it up here um, <laughs> in a sec. I did want to share, though. I did pull up one of my favorite flavor texts for Jaya. Um, it's from uh, the uh, 7th, 8th edition version of Inferno. If you're familiar with that card. Um, uh, I'm not, but I am currently looking at all of the Jaya cards on MetaBox. <laughs> so the flavor text says, Some have said there's no subtlety in destruction. You know what? They're dead. <laughs> that is so God. metal alright yeah words to live by <laughs> yes <laughs> that might just be my new motto <laughs> so um, so with that um, Will Rob any closing thoughts for the show um, and uh, you know for audience my closing thoughts are everybody should play D&D it's real fun I would like
2: to second that and just kind of reiterate what you know my main Goal is for everybody, and that's just have fun with your friends, make new friends, and have fun with them. No matter what, just get out there and have fun. Hell awesome. yeah! Or, or if you really want to be that guy in D
3: and D, find a friend and then ostracize him. <laughs>
0: shame, shame. Um, all right, chase him with that bell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and let uh, Marvin get to his Doctor Strange movie. Uh, let us know how it goes. And, uh, you know, with that, um, gentlemen, do you want to let our audience know where they can find you?
2: That's your uh, job, Rob.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is where I come in. Uh, yes, you can find
2: us on Twitter at s and S Pod one Uh, That's where we kind of do most of our promoting and interaction and stuff like that. Uh, You can also follow us on uh, Spotify and on YouTube. Uh, Stories and Sorceries are the name of both of those. We release new episodes every Friday. Uh, Campaign is most of the week, but the last Saturday of the month we record it. So it usually tends to be the first Friday of every month we release our one-shots.
0: Very nice, very nice. And uh, if you're listening, we do recommend you go give them a listen. Uh, they do a great job over there. So uh, we definitely look forward to seeing more of your uh, of your characters' adventures.
2: We certainly Thank appreciate you. you having
0: us on. Yeah, it's been a blast. It
2: was
3: was great fun talking to y'all. Yes. Even though one of you did turn into a robot in a wind tunnel. <laughs>
0: it's for, for a good cause. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, so with that, if you do want to follow us on Twitter, um, you can follow us at uh, TIAFA Podcast. Uh, that's what the show's Twitter. You can also follow us individually. I am at Vlad Fever. Marvin is at Tayugetsu, um, which we'll uh, go ahead and spare him the uh, the need of spelling it out because uh, <laughs> I know that he's driving and I want him to focus. And he should also Exactly. So uh, with that, I hope everyone has a fantastic evening. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you all next week.
4: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. <laughs>